Tune into the Tour of Utah podcast on 1280thezone.com. The podcast includes tips for how to train for the summer of cycling and where best to see the Tour of Utah in action. Time to talk a little BYU football now with Greg Rubel, play-by-play voice of the BYU Cougars. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Greg, good morning. Good morning, and it was a fitting musical intro, as I know that uh, you... And I all believe and embrace the spirit of radio. (laughs) Yes, we do. We do embrace the spirit of radio. So, the Cougars, as things get underway here with the camps kicking off and all that, it's a big week. What's your number one question about BYU football? How long it takes for Zach Wilson to look full go, look like he's throwing it 100%, I guess would be the question we have um, top of the chart during August. All right, I'm going to assume and take them at their word that they thought that he would be ready uh, by the time the season starts, so we still have got another month for that uh, to get going. With, yeah. with that in mind, so just for argument's sake, assume that you know he's playing at the level that he's capable of playing. What does that mean for the production of the offense this season? Well, I, I guess we should probably uh, go back to the you know last time he played and 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 when he did you know last suit up, he was he was pretty darn good and he was playing hurt at that time. So you know he, he wasn't necessarily 100 percent the last time he played and he was okay. Um, so you know if, if if they repair what they need to repair and, and and everything's gone the way it's supposed to go and and the the pacing of the rehab, you know, aka pitch count works as designed, then then all is well. Um, I, I guess the positive is that even when he wasn't, you know, totally perfect with the arm, he he still managed to be pretty productive. And I thought that, you know, from a productivity and a, a chunk play standpoint and a bigger play perspective, BYU was better uh, second half of last year than the first half of last year. And the objective now would be to kind of capitalize off of that and springboard it to be an even more um, you know, more explosive offense. You, you, you just wish, if you're a BYU fan, that you could have a promising quarterback uh, have a whole entire healthy offseason before that next season comes. That hasn't been the case with BYU. If he can't go, how much confidence do you have in the guys behind him? Well, I guess I look primarily to to the main guy, and that would be Jaron Hall. He's a different kind of player uh, than Zach Wilson, but I think there were, there were pretty valuable reps he got in spring, and and you know I I just want Zach Wilson to be able to be the guy uh, on on day one. Uh, but if he's not, um, you know, Jaron Hall is an an, a, an adequate um, you know fallback. Uh, he's super athletic and and not maybe as developed a passer as Zach Wilson. But is more in the playmaker mold than this than, than the straight thrower. Overall, what is your general level of optimism regarding this season? Well, I think BYU could be a a, a really good team and still, um, you know, consider just getting to a bowl game to be a, a pretty decent accomplishment, considering the the, the 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 kinds of games BYU has on the schedule this year. Um, you know, we'd all love to see those double-digit seasons that BYU rolled off uh, a few years ago. But uh, to me, uh, and, and, and not that the bar should be set necessarily this low, but I think, you know, the minimum uh, expectation of getting to a bowl game would mean that you're still a pretty good football team. 
Do you think this team will be good enough to avoid the really embarrassing home loss? Because we all get how tough, the, especially the opening month of the season, but there's tough games after that. But it's just BYU fans just can't handle losing to UMass and Northern Illinois at home. Yeah, it's been a while since BYU's had a, a winning home record. I think it's been three seasons since they've had a winning record at home. And, um, you know, it, that, that's kind of been, you know, at least, you know, last year. I, I look at 2017 as, as kind of a dramatic outlier. There, there were so many things that went wrong that year. But in, last year, I, I think you could, you know, you could look at winning uh, at Arizona and then losing at home to Cal and then winning at Wisconsin all happening in the span of a few weeks you know, kind of uh, encapsulated the uh, the inconsistency BYU struggled with for a lot of last year, and and if you could use the, even use the Utah game as an example of, of what's happening at home, if you take a look over the last decade of football uh, between BYU and Utah, the best chances BYU's had to win games have come in Salt Lake City uh, more than they have in Provo. And, and so BYU does have a bit of a hurdle to overcome relative to consistent home performances. In my mind, you know, you talk about the standard is the bowl. And, you know, I don't have any problem with that. But I look that to have progression in the program, to see that it is growing and it is pointing in the right direction. So I'm thinking last year they established something with the new offensive coaches and they finished strong. So now they have to increase that. So they've got to be a little bit better. So I'm looking for my standard is a little bit better than last year. Is that fair? Sure. I mean, eight wins would be a little bit better. And if you can cobble eight wins out of this year's schedule, I think you're a really good football team. Um, that first month, and it's not just about the first four games. I mean, the, the September does include a road trip to Toledo, and, and that's, um, that's, that's a good team at their level of football and the kind of team that's beaten BYU in the past. You bring up Northern Illinois in Provo. Um, you know, South Florida in the East Coast, you've got four East Coast games this year. There's just enough, um, you know, danger spots on the schedule this year to where if, you, if, if you're playing in a bowl game, you're pretty good. If you're winning eight games, I think, I think you're really good. Anything beyond that, I think you're, uh, you're even better than, uh, expect, you know, better than maybe lofty expectations might have been in the preseason. Um, I, I just look at, I look at 12 regular season games, and if you were to say – you know, uh, and, and no one looks at games like this, you know, on the staff necessarily. But the games you're most favored to win would be three at this point, right? The ones where you feel most comfortable about winning would be Liberty, Idaho State, and UMass coming in November. But I don't think you look beyond that to too many other games and say, well, that's one we're, we're going to count on getting. And so you've got to find a way to get at least three, if not four or five of those other games to get yourself to the point you want to be at or the BYU fan base would like BYU to be at, and that is better than it was before, uh, eight, nine, ten wins. So as you start to uh, do your homework on all these opponents, I mean, we know the names and we kind of know how they resonate and what we think of the programs, but any given year they're up or down. Do you see any games that look a lot tougher than the rep or games that look a lot easier than the rep in these other games you're talking about? Well, I, I think Utah is legit the toughest team BYU is going to see this year. I, I, I just think there's every reason to believe that if BYU can can you know somehow find a way to get that game, then they're going to be able to compete with everyone else on their schedule. Whether they win every one of those games is is you know is 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 the debate. But I think that Utah is just you know solid in every possible way. And then you you know add the the, the weight of history 
and they've got that going for them as well. Um, I, I think it's dangerous to ever consider an SEC team to be uh, any kind of game that you should be a favorite in, uh, on the road especially, and with the kind of people they've got back and the money they spent on coordinators there. Um, that whole first four-game slate, I mean, uh, USC I think is expected to be better than they were um, uh, with a quarterback back and the receiving core they've got, and Chris Peterson's got a machine rolling right now. I know it's more than just the first four games, but there's nothing about those first four games that's anything other than extremely, extremely difficult uh, for BYU. And, and so I, I don't know what an acceptable mark is through those first four games, but it's as tough a sled as, as, as BYU is ever going to have. And as, as, as teams who are non-P5s know, when, when you face a lot of P5s in a row, um, you're, you're probably going to come out a little worse for wear. And, and they get them back to back to back to back. It's 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 a tough it's a tough challenge. And um, you know, I, I, again, I, I don't know what what an acceptable mark is through those four games. I guess I have to kind of see how the opponents look when when BYU plays them. But uh, um, there's just not too many soft spots. Again, even going to Toledo in late September, um, nothing easy about that. I, you know, South Florida is a team that. You know, they did open 7-0 and last year before losing six in a row, so I don't know exactly what Charlie Strong has. But uh, East Coast games have been tough for BYU, and if BYU wins at South Florida, that'll be BYU's first ever win in the state of Florida. They've never won a game in that state before. And then the Boise State-Utah State back-to-back with a bye week in between. I mean, we all know what Utah State looks like lately against BYU, and Boise's Boise, and they've had their number against BYU as well. So... Again, you go first four eight get you first four games. You go first eight games. It's 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 difficult. And then you got that three game slate. You hope to kind of you know get well in. Then you finish at Rocky Long to end the year too. So it's just a really intriguing, compelling schedule to me, guys. And I'm I'm just fascinated by it because I really don't know what to expect at this point. So with the contract situation, Kalani, they haven't extended him, and coaches are always on the hot seat. But do you think that he's playing or coaching for his job any more so than what everybody else is doing? Yeah, probably not more than, than any other. Um, I, I know that historically, right, BYU doesn't let their coaches get into uh, last year's situations, and so this w- would appear to be a, a pretty pivotal year in that sense. I think if Kalani can end the year like he begins the year, and that is with a winning overall record, uh, BYU can can show progress. And, and I think that you know the the powers that be know the kind of slate that BYU is you know put in front of the head coach this year. And I think they also believe they got the kind of players to win a lot of games in that slate as well. And so how, how that all comes together may determine um, you know long term prognosis. But I, I I for Kalani's sake hope that there's enough enough success to keep him here a long time. I just have a a gut feel that, that he's just just the right guy for this program. And and there's everything about him that I that, that, that I love as it relates to BYU. And from a personal standpoint, I just wish him a lot of success so that he can be here as, as long as he would like to be. The running game, they bolster it with a couple of grad transfers. What do you know about them? What do you expect out of them? Well, I don't know that, that, that either of them – is is the the impact game breaker, but I haven't seen enough of them to judge that they that they couldn't be uh, the kind of back to have explosive games. Uh, Tyson Williams and Emmanuel Supa both had some injury issues at their previous stops. More than anything else, though, I think they bolstered depth. And and where BYU got hurt most last year, especially as the year went along, was just not enough. Um, not enough good bodies are running back by the end of the year to the point where you know a converted defensive player 
you know, Matt Hadley goes out and, and really hurts the team. Um, and and I, I do think that Lopini Katoa is a little bit I, – I don't know how overlooked he would be because I don't really know what the vibe is about him out there, but he was BYU's touch leader – uh, for a lot of good reasons, in only 11 games, and of those 11 games, he wasn't a starter in in all of them. Um, yet when he when he when he was given the ball, I thought he was pretty effective. And and he was a guy also too that we didn't see much in the off season in the spring. So if Lopini Katoa is healthy and, and Zach Wilson is healthy and Matt Bushman looks to be full speed, um, and, and they're deeper at running back, and Gunnar Romney can have a healthy second year. I think that, that that's a pretty good group to build around. And, and when BYU's offenses have been their best. You haven't had to have eight and nine and ten, you know, major playmakers. You've really been able to focus on uh, a smaller group of four, five, and six go-to guys and have them kind of make things run. All right, I agree with that 100%. On the other side, the defensive side, I think there's a lot of the same issues in terms of, well, they've, they've got some pretty good players, but, you know, there's a little bit of a drop-off. And we saw that in the Utah game big time when Kafusi goes down and how much have they been able to improve that situation to be able to withstand the obvious situations that are going to occur over the course of 12 games yeah and I, I want to again kind of look at 2017 as as the the true outlier we haven't seen too many seasons like that in BYU football history but if you take 2016 and 2018 with the you know Sitake Tuiaki you know kind of uh, 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 tandem going in terms of defensive mindset, you've seen a top 25 scoring defense in both of those years. I, I think schematically, as long as as long as Elisa Tuiaki and Kalani Sitake are together, I think schematically you're going to find a defense that's going to be competitive enough to put up those kinds of numbers year in year out. Um, and, and and they don't necessarily have to have you know more than one or two potential NFL draft picks on a roster to be good. And they've had you know, about about one good draft pick a year the last number of years with, with this coaching staff. Um, I, I think that they're going to be good enough. I think that the biggest progress has to come PK offensively. I, I think the defense has been able to to do just enough to be in and hopefully win some games. But I think it's been it's been on the offense to to hold up its end of the bargain. And if they can just score a few more points, it's going to make a world of difference for this BYU team. I think defensively they're going to be okay. The biggest strides have to come on the other side, I think. Greg Rubel, play-by-play voice of the BYU Cougars, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So there have been a lot of uh, close games. I think there were three losses by a touchdown or, or less last year. So... In special teams, is there a big play there? Whether it's in the place-kicking game or somewhere else, is there a big play to be made there? Is there a group that can give them an advantage? Well, Jake Oldroyd's back, and and if, if you go off a couple of little social media clips, looks like he's got a bit of a leg back with him. When he last left BYU, he made that dramatic kick to beat Arizona, and then he had some back issues. And... You know, you, you and, and BYU's just had the worst luck and been kind of snake bit with kickers lately and, and, and their health and their ability to carry over, you know, high school numbers into college. But, you know, Jake Oldroyd and, and Skylar Salvum, um, I, I think will be the guys look to, to take care of most of the kicking duties this year. Uh, one can never speak to what's going to happen in the return game because in the college game, the return game is, you know, almost kind of non existent these days. It, it, it's so rare that big plays are made in the return game. But, you know, from an overall special team standpoint, Ed Lamb has coordinated a pretty solid group, even without 
um, a big leg in the program are those long field goals that Utah tends to make so regularly. In fact, it's been now, gosh, 13 years, almost 13 years, guys, since BYU last had a 50-yard field goal in a game. And so BYU hasn't been able to count on a big leg for a long time. Whether or not this is the year that happens, you know, time will tell. Uh, but I think that Ed Lamb, as a coordinator, churns out a pretty solid, if not very, very good group each year, even without maybe some headline, headline makers uh, in the kicking game that Utah always churns out year by year. So you got Riley Nelson there as your new uh, partner, and I always yeah. thought that he was a great, great interview because he'd process the question and he'd give you detailed answers, extended answers, deep answers to questions, and that he was always a great interview. How do you channel that knowledge into mere seconds because he doesn't have it's not an interview situation where yeah. he can go on an extended run of his thoughts? And especially, you know, I mean, you're playing, you know, no huddle teams, or if you're t- the team you're calling itself is going to be a quicker tempo team, your your time's even more compressed. And that'll be Riley's challenge, that, and 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 he'll um he'll he'll certainly find out on the fly just what that rhythm is all about. And and, and that'll be and that's any commentator's challenge is getting out what you want to get out in a finite period of time. But uh, I, I I think you're going to get uh, great insight and really cogent analysis, and I think it will be. Uh, a situation where you can learn a lot in a little of time, uh, a little bit of time with Riley, because and, and and you know he'll he'll visually know, you know how to pace himself. Uh, we're both watching the same game, and he knows when when the alignment is set, and he knows when teams are coming to the line, and he knows when he's got to get his, uh, his his contributions out and spoken for. And it'll be a rhythm thing and a chemistry thing, and I'm I'm just kind of uh, excited to you know learn with him and and learn from him. And, and get this new thing rolling. Um, I've never, ever called a football game without Mark Lyons by my side, so it's going to be a, quite an adjustment. Uh, but I look forward to getting to know Riley better and obviously getting to work with him, and, and hopefully our listeners will really enjoy uh, what he offers because I've got a, a strong suspicion that he'll, he'll fall right into this pretty well. You mentioned Ed Lamb, and one thing about uh, bringing him in was that uh, he's supposed to uh, identify these guys who are really raw, develop them, and man, if you develop, you know, NFL guys at Southern Utah, you, you got a knack for this. So we're getting to the point. You got to allow for the for missions and red shirts and all that, but we're getting to the point now where we ought to start to see some of that paying off. Are there guys that are just totally off the media and fans' radar who are ready to take a massive leap? Have you heard any of that? I mean, he's not—he's not off the radar at all. So I don't think you know. It, it, but but Kyrus Tonga is—is—he's—I I think he's the real deal. I—I I, I think that he looks a lot like uh, those players Utah's been producing for years now. And um, I, I, I again, they—they don't, they don't always generate the most headlines because of the position they play. But I think he's going to be as important a defensive player as BYU's had in some time, and that's and that's you know again not an off the radar guy, just a really really impressive guy. I know there are a couple of young guys that Kalani has his eye on, but it's just too early to see um, you know if those prognostications will come to fruition because the careers tend to last so long here at BYU. But from a defensive standpoint, um, Kyrus and, and Devin Kafusi are, are guys, that, and Isaiah Kafusi. And Diane Gomolik, who probably my, my big four, Zane Anderson gives me five. Um, and so I, I, I guess I formulate a pretty short list pretty quickly of defensive players that excite me. But I think if you're looking at, at who might have the, the most pro potential right now, um, it's t- t- tough to avoid Kairos Tonga. You like the Utah game at the start? 
Sure. Yeah, I, I like it late. I really like how it how you know we already we really knew who everybody was by the end of last season, um, and by that by the same token, the injuries played a lot into that game in, in both sides really. Um, but but first game is uh, yeah, it's it's it's. It's it, it's a great way to start the season. I mean, it's it, it, it and in a way, there's so much riding on it. Maybe more for BYU than for Utah, right? I think Utah, no matter what happens, they've got their league to get into, and that's still a few weeks away. But for BYU, uh, when you're not in a league, this becomes kind of you know the landmark, and and you hope things go your way. And if you don't, you want to find out how the guys have to respond with a really tough back-to-back-to-back trio coming with Tennessee, USC, and UW. So it's uh, pretty intriguing that way. And uh, you find out a lot about yourself right off the start. Um, and, again, I, I think more probably rides on it for, for BYU than Utah. Greg, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again as the, uh, as the season gets closer. Anytime. Uh, you know, all you have to do is, uh, is have Jake shoot me a text, and, and I'm all yours. All right. Thanks, Greg. See you guys. Play-by-play voice of the BYU Cougars, Greg Rebell, right there. I like the Utah Cougars in the opener. Means we get to ask about it and talk about it for I a month. I love it. <laughs> we get to talk about it for a month. None of the. Well, first we have to play fill in the blank Big Sky team in the case of the Utes. If they can't play at the end, play at the beginning. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 the zone. Three, two, one, one, one. The countdown is back on the Zone Sports Network. It's the fifth annual college football top 60 and 60. As we count you down to the start of the college football season. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another selection. I see you on five. Leading up to the start of the 2019 season. As voted on by the local media and you the fans. It's the top 60 and 60. Yeah. Presented by Cypress Credit Union, the Southtown Auto Mall, and Master Electrical Service. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. You don't have to have a rushing champion to win a Super Bowl. But Emmitt was the first one to do it. And that's one of the dilemmas at running back. You can win Super Bowls and not have the Emmitt Smith back there or not have Zeke back there. Consequently, when we are looking and putting Zeke's contract in place, we've got to realize that the ultimate goal is to win the Super Bowl. And so you've got to do all of the things along with having Zeke that allow you to have other players so that you can win the Super Bowl. Jerry Jones, Cowboy owner, explaining why Ezekiel Ellis headed to Cabo and Alfred Morris has been signed as an insurance policy. Not a great look for Ezekiel Elliott. I'm going to Cabo. I'm not in camp. Oh, well. I got no worries. I'm out. Uh, I mean, what do you mean? It's not a great look for Ezekiel. I don't, I don't get it. Well, I think theoretically you should be you should be working out, preparing individually in the hot Texas zone, so you're ready to join the team at a moment's notice. And the team's not even working. No, out they're off in Oxford. Yeah, no. So you see, like, going to drive over and like work out in Ventura. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't even do it. Why but should that I whole do thing? It? I'm all in. I'm ready. I'm all in. But you know, business is business, and guys do That's get that. College garbage. All in. Okay. It's about grabbing the money. Yeah, I'll do that later. I'm going to Cabo first. The holdout continues. And for the Cowboys, you know, can they pay their wide receiver, their quarterback, and their running back all the money all those guys want? And the answer is no. They're going to have to draw a line somewhere. 
So draw it in the sand of Cabo. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're drawn in the sand of Oxnard. He's drawn in the sand of Cabo. I've never been to Cabo, so I don't know if that's a, a good place to draw the sand. Probably, I assume. Uh, we talked that. We've talked a lot of college football this morning. Alabama and Wisconsin, home and home series, 2024 and 2025. SEC teams rarely leave the South, rarely leave the SEC footprint. But Bama's going to Madison in 2024. And PK, you said what I think a lot of people thought when they saw this news. Nick Saban is not worried about those games, eh? Nick's going to be retired by then, huh? He can't be on board with this. Yeah, that's they had to check that with Dabo, see if he was okay with it. <laughs> Nah, but when you do come over, you know. <laughs> yeah. They, they certainly have a lot of guys to choose from when Nick says that's it. Assume that they'll come up with a pile of money and everybody will want access to that well, tradition, I mean, momentum, and cash. He's had a lot of assistant coaches. Now, oh, just to stay within his coaching tree. Yeah. 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 Right. So there's a lot of qualified people. Obviously, Sweeney has done a marvelous job there at uh, Clemson. And he's the former walk-on receiver. Blah blah blah. I don't know. Does he? Does he go uh, like a Roy Williams, who kept saying on national TV to Bonnie Bernstein? <laughs> I don't give a bleep. It. I don't give about. A bleep. I'm North worried Carolina. about this game right well, now, that, that, right here. That was like yeah. Monday night, <laughs> Tuesday morning at 7:30. Right. I'm on my way. <laughs> but there's been others who haven't gone, like Denny Crum. Was John Wooden's assistant, but did not take the UCLA job. No, he stayed at Louisville and won two. All those or three. years, I know he won two. Did he win three NCAA titles? Won a lot. So he had his own brand. And didn't Bear Bryant wasn't he a Texas A and M guy? Yep, yep. And yeah, obviously he stayed at Alabama. So I don't know that Sweeney says, "Yeah, I'm going," because you've built such a powerhouse that has competed and competed very well against Alabama the two most dominant programs right now. Stay here. I can run this league. What do I need to go and over there for? Win nationally. I'm making a gazillion dollars. I'm already comfortable. Got I got everything in place. Don't they have a slide in his in the... Uh, I do. Yeah, you got a slide in the football facility. Players you know who lunch. else has a slide? Steve Young. And who wrote it? Me. <laughs> Does Steve know? Uh, yeah, I think... Yeah, Steve and I one night were having a couple of drinks and I told him. Liar. <laughs> I, I doubt Steve Young has any clue who I am. Uh, oh, that's not true. He does too know who you he are. He does not. He absolutely. You do this all the time. You, <laughs> Poor me. Nobody knows me. Steve Young has no idea who I am. <clears throat> yes, he does. But there was a function at his Park City home. I got invited. You got there early. I got there early. Steve wasn't even there. Right. And I was with the PR person, and we went through the home, and there was a slide. She said, well, go down the slide. Really? I go down a slide? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, is it taking, like, from the second floor to the basement or something? Or uh, It was a while ago. I would say probably third floor to first floor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, well, I go down the stairs and just hop on the slide. Yeah. So I, you, made, you made NFL money. Give yourself a slide. Well, he's got Park City home. That wasn't his primary home. Yeah. But it was a beautiful home. Nice. Coach Lavelle Edwards came to the party. I forget what the party was about. Yeah. But there was a the point is, you rode the slide. Mm-hmm. And Steve does too know who you are. He does not. Absolutely. He's in town often enough, keeps a low profile, but he's, he's here. Very, very few people. Who and, know he's who on, I am. and he's on, and he listens to sports radio. Anytime when he's they here. say they know who I am, yeah. I'm stunned. 
you didn't think Spence Eccles knew who you uh, you were, and that was one of the most ridiculous things you've ever said. And that, that I mean, they, Spence the is a huge. Is Spence there. is a huge sports fan. <laughs> I, he just knew me as some sports guy, though. Well, I didn't say he knew you personally and had been over to your house, and you know, guys. I don't think he knows my name. He recognized me by face. He knows. He knows your initials. Guaranteed. Well, since he, I did, think he knows your name. Since he did tell me one time, I know who you are. Because <laughs> he heard us talking about it. But I got to admit, I was stunned that Johnny Miller knew who I was. I, I literally was stunned when he told me. I said, wait, you... No, you just haven't thought it through. John, John, you're, you're Johnny Miller, <laughs> and I'm me. Yeah. And you know my name. Yeah. But part of being Johnny Miller and I Steve... Stunned. But part of being Johnny Miller and Steve Young is they do know a lot of people, and they do make a habit of keeping track of a lot of people, and where do people fit in, and where do... You know, yeah, but he was Johnny radio. Miller, and I I'm me. Totally, There's and, a and big difference I there. I 100% get that. He's won major golf championships. And I haven't. And you've broken 80. I also broke an eight iron yesterday. You didn't. I got mad. I should. Johnny uh, Patrick Kinahan, Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City. I know that uh, you have a place up in the Hebrew Valley. I listen to you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. Steve Young's been on our show. I know. And he's driven around and listened to the radio because, you know, that's what people do, even if you're a really big celebrity. But he's an all NFL Hall of Famer. And he's still. I mean, I'm a Utah Sportscasting Hall of Famer. Let's call it like it is. There it is. When are you getting inducted? Oh, well, I've, I've had some issues a la Pete Rose, so I don't think oh, I'll really? get in. <laughs> no, I think, yeah. You, you gambled on the ratings on I your think, own show? I think I've had some, you know, some, some Pete Rose-type circumstances <laughs> that'll prevent me. Are we going me, too far afield here, Yacht? That'll prevent me this from getting in. This is pretty funny, though. So I don't know that I'll actually be inducted. I'm worthy of being inducted. You're going to go to question. Vegas and start signing autographs, though, at some hey, point? Hey, Sal, I got, I got three large that says we'll get a 4-0 this book. Well, I actually... Give me the over-under on the 4.2. I bet against you. Yeah, you can't really do that. Yeah, that was that was it. You're not the only one who's done that, though. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't work in radio anymore. <laughs> bet against you? Yeah. You? Yep. Bull crap. May the best man win. That's a great quote. Who said that? Guy doesn't work in this state anymore. <laughs> <laughs> moved to Colorado. Last I heard. Thought that was a bit over the top. Oh, what? To say so that. you were going to go be competitor? Was that? Yeah, it? I was going to go work with you. Oh, work with me after fourteen guys said no. That's who I am. You were the first guy who was asked. I'm. It's, I'm simply thought of as the last option. You were the first guy who was asked. Formally, there but were, I was like the fifteenth informally. I, I told you the truth. There were two people I would have asked before you, and I knew the answer was new. No, so when I was talking to the boss, I said, what about this? And he said, "That's what we're thinking too." Glad you're on board. We're going to go ask him. And they went and asked you. Well, aren't I just so freaking lucky? Yeah, well, I, I think actually that's. What do you want I think me to actually do? That's, you want me to genuflect and kiss you on the back of the hand? No, I think that's more a credit <laughs> to you. The you, ring, ought, dude. you ought to take a bow for your greatness being so take obvious. A bow. Even before you did radio, a bunch of people who were good at it thought he's going to be really good at it. I would never take a bow I for doing what I've expected to be done. <laughs> I'm like the Utes this year. This isn't amazing how you can be offended four different ways from a compliment. <laughs> I've heard of people who like to toy with other human a beings a lot, so maybe he likes to do that. How do you define compliment? 
Three people looked at you, even though you'd never done full-time radio, and thought, he'd be really good at full-time radio. And the first time they talked, what do you think? I think that, that's what I think, too. Why the hell was it only three? Well, there may have been more, but those were who I talked to. Oh, well, you should have talked to maybe more people. More. Yeah, maybe. You should have talked to Johnny Miller. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Johnny Miller knows who I am. <laughs> well, he knows me. So. Johnny, uh, Patrick Kinahan, Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City. I know that uh, you have a place up in the Hebrew Valley. Okay, well, I listen to you. Oh. I, I just looked and I said to people, take me now. <laughs> Fetch yeah! <laughs> and I also, in my ability to be technologically savvy, I deleted the sound and I had to go get it from somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> the most panicked phone call I've ever gotten from yeah. him was that moment. I go down to Arizona, I go to that thing, because I thought Johnny Miller retiring was a huge deal. To me, he is the golf analyst. Yes. There are no other golf analysts outside there are, of There Johnny are Miller. other golf analysts, but he is the preeminent yes. golf analyst. and he was retiring after 30-some yep. years. Right. And so I went to the press conference in Phoenix just this February, and I taped a thing, and I'm always paranoid. You know this. I'm paranoid Fact. that I actually get the sound. He's finally telling yeah. the truth, people, yeah. after three hours and 45 minutes and so 30 seconds of so blah, 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 blah. nervous. <laughs> and then I get the sound, and then I accidentally delete it. <laughs> How did you do that? Because when the stuff comes up, I got a bunch, and if you hit the file, you hit the wrong one, it, yeah. you hit delete, and it's gone yeah. forever. And I almost started crying. I did call Yawk, and I, I was almost crying because I went down there to get that. <laughs> he truly was beside himself. Yeah. And then there was an Arizona Republic gal who they do stuff for their website, uh-huh. and I saw, you out. I saw her there. Now, it wasn't as high as the quality but it was still listenable, and so she said, sure, I'll send it to you. And then I sent it to Yogg, and he said, it's not the greatest quality, but we can use it. Yep. So I felt a form of relief. Woo! All right, DJ and PK, your feedback coming up. You've been answering the question of the day as far as the Utes, expectations. You're going to be able to enjoy it game by game, or because they're the overwhelming favorite, can you not enjoy it until they're the champs? And we got some great responses. We'll get to that next, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. From the Mercury News, John Wilner. I think all of us were fairly confident that Utah would be picked to win the South Division. I was a little surprised that they were picked to win the entire thing. You know, I was one of those who picked them to win the whole thing. If you think Utah's a heavy favorite in the South, then it's just one game for that Pac-12 championship against the North winner. And I've picked them to beat Oregon. I just it'll be a good matchup for them. You know, they can take away Oregon's strengths on the offensive line and with Justin Herbert, but that's really what it came down to to me is, okay, Utah's clear pick in the South. Can they win that one game? And the the experience from last year, I think, will will help them considerably if they get to Levi Stadium. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I know you guys finally don't have to deal with Nikhil, but why are you getting Utes fans' hopes so high right now? It's cruel. It's really cruel. That's one ASU fan right there who is sure the Utes are still in trouble. He's dead wrong. We're not getting him. I mean, it was everybody else. We're just repeating what has already been established. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. 
Now that the Utes are heavy favorites to win the South Division, how much fun will this season be for Ute fans? Paul says it will be fun if they're able to reach the goals and I'm able to add a Rose Bowl to my Fiesta and Sugar experiences. Many games, particularly BYU, will be more of a relief if they win than fun. Well, that's that's the situation you're in when you're the favorite. They are more of a relief than fun. Yeah, the but fun still, only comes at the end of the season. There's still big enough games that ought to be fun. And I get BYU will be a relief because you beat them so many years in a row and you don't want to hear from your Cougar family or friends or coworkers. The only or way you have fun this year <coughs> is if you drill teams and the fourth quarter is a laugher. So leaving USC with a win for the first time ever isn't fun unless you really stick it to them. Yeah, because I'm talking about... Because that's one of the games I'm talking about. Yeah, but you're talking about the conclusion of the game. I'm talking about the game in the first and the second and the third and the fourth quarters. If they are tight, it is nerve-wracking. Nerve-wracking isn't fun. Fun becomes when you're up 38-7. to Fun is last year in the Rose Bowl on a Friday night. When the Dodgers and the Red Sox played the longest game in the World Series ever. <laughs> and up the street was it the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. I'm in that Rose Bowl. A photographer for the LA Times is a guy named Luis Cinco. Was a good friend of mine. So he's there. I see him at the game. He was at the Daily Breeze when you were there? Uh-huh. You came here and he went to the Times? Correct. Okay. And he's won some major major awards. Major for awards. doing uh uh, photojournalism in Afghanistan and those oh, yeah, places. Okay. And so he's talking to me about, and he was a sports fan. He went to the University of Washington. And I'm saying, oh, this is just going to be a slaughter. They are going to just destroy these guys. And really? I said, yeah. And this was in a press box afterward. Mm-hmm. So down a fourth quarter, I go down on the field. I see him. He's still shooting. He looks at me. He says, man, you sir got that right. <laughs> and I'm standing on the Utah sideline, and they're shucking and jiving. And I'm looking over at their fan bases, the fan base, and some of them are calling out my name. They're having a great time. If that game is a nail-biter, no one's calling out to me <laughs> because they're so focused on the game. That right. is fun. But when it's a tight game, it's not fun. This year, it's not fun because there's so much at stake. For the Utes this year, it'd be fun at the end if you flip flop that end, first yes. I'm game. I'm acknowledging okay, at, at the, the end. end of the game if they win a tight game. Yes, no, you're not. If it's a four point game in the third quarter, you're not laughing all that. You're into the game. Are they going to make the plays? Are they going to win it? Especially this year because of yeah. the ramifications. But I don't think with USC and Washington and Washington State that they have to win in a blowout to feel good about it. I get they won't be laughing in a close game early, but those are but, big uh, games. But 90% of the, the afternoon will be spent in tension. I think the piano on the back feeling really comes when you're playing the Arizonas and Oregon States of the world. Like, let's not mess this up. These teams yeah, are in the I bottom mean, half of the league. Good, you're not going to mess that up anyway. So right. And they may open worry, it up. You're not going to mess up Oregon It'll State. still be close in the first quarter. I mean, there'll be some tension. Arizona, some I'll give you a possibility if Khalil Tate is healthy and their offense is looking good at the end of the year. Because I've been down there when that's happened. Yeah. A few years back, they lost an OT in November when they were all that. Mm-hmm. And the fans wa- walking out of that stadium, I wanted to smack them e- each individually. Because you know what they were chanting? Overrated. No, they are oh, walking was it leading out up- of the stadium. Was it leading up to the ASU game? Beat ASU. Ah, there it is. Yes. Yep. Got in your wheelhouse there. So it bugged me that the U of A fans beat the Utes and then it bugged me that that's what they were talking about. Matt says Utah's not going to the playoffs anytime soon. It's going to be Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and either Oklahoma or Ohio State. Yeah, but we're not talking about playoff, and I no. agree with him there. 
So win the conference, go to the yeah, Rose that, Bowl, miss the That's a beauty contest yeah. that you can't necessarily control. I, to me, Utah can have a season for the ages and not make the playoff. I don't even care about the playoff. If you get in, great. Jeff says, I see no reason the preseason expectations have a bearing on my enjoyment. If Utah wins, that's fun. If they win a lot and I get to attend a Pac-12 title game again in a Rose Bowl, that'll be amazing. If they don't win, yeah, that's not fun. Winning is more fun than not winning. But because of the end goal, there are a series of nine of these tests, and you have to ace all nine of them. Yeah, Red Rock's with you. Could be really fun if we win, really sucky if we lose. (laughs) I will say to every Ute fan out there, if they qualify for the Rose Bowl, you must go at virtually any cost. Even if it means driving down there the day of and driving back. Do it. Do it. There is nothing like the granddaddy. And I have been to the plenty of fiestos. I've been to the Sugar. And I've been to the Rose. And there is nothing like having your team. I've been to the Rose as a, as a journalist, and I've been to the Rose as a fan. And there is nothing like having your team win the granddaddy. We're out of here. We'll see you tomorrow. Tony and Austin are up next.